You are now listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast. Things are very, very different since we last left you. In the words of Bob Dylan, you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone. The times they are changing. How are you tonight, Vardy? I'm good. Dewey Cox had never heard that song. (laughs) That's right. And (laughs) Rob Blake apparently had. (laughs) Oh, man. For... For as long as we spent having nothing happen and and hoping and praying that as much as we didn't want, you know, certain things to have to happen, that when the time came, we hoped that they would embrace it full force. Sure seems like that's uh, that's where things are headed. Yeah. Uh, for the last half year, we've been talking about who's going to go, who's going to stay, the looming fire sale that was – supposed to happen for the Kings for, for uh, in Los Angeles is well underway now because in the, what seems like the last two hours <laughs> we've traded the Kings have traded Kyle Clifford Tyler Toffoli and Alec Martinez I know it hasn't been two hours for real right. but it sure has felt like it's they all happened very very quickly we will go over the trades uh they all have kind of a similar feeling to them. They all bring a similar kind of emotion to fans, um, to pundits, whatever you want to call it. Uh, before we get there, we want to let, let's talk about the Kings. All right, it's been a while since we've recorded. We kind of were waiting for this to happen in many ways. We knew it would. We knew there was a very high chance of all of this going down. I'm glad we waited <laughs> as yeah. long as we did because yeah. Now what we have is a meaty, meaty episode. <laughs> Folks, the Kings are terrible. <laughs> They've been terrible. Outside of a 10-game stretch where they looked good, they have not been good all season. Okay, mm-hmm. so let's let's start off with that. <laughs> you know that. As fans, you've seen it. And again, again, the advanced stats and all those things seem to imply that they could be good. But the fact of the matter is end of the day they are not good they cannot be good because they don't have enough good players yes they don't finish they don't they don't finish i don't care if you funnel 30 some odd shots a game at a goalie all you're doing is improving a save percentage Mm -hmm. and goals against and every goalie metric you can think of when a team rolls in to play the kings okay i mean you know how it is from like a fan's perspective it's it's very difficult to to watch a team that you love, a team that not so long ago was winning championships and was consistently a threat, um, it's tough to it's tough to accept change, even though you see it happening in front of you. Sure. And I think that that that's exactly the same sentiment that people are bringing to the to now losing Clifford to Foley, Martinez, even Jack Campbell, who wasn't part of the championships, but like you get attached. I get it, but you can't you can't tell us you didn't see this coming. You know what I mean? Like you could have lied to yourself through the season and and been like, maybe, maybe we're gonna, you know, someone's gonna. But you always knew it was there, and I'm glad that we're doing the sensible thing now. We're not letting emotion dictate where this team is gonna go for the next five years based on where they were for the last five years 
And listen, I get no matter how much, you know, whoever you listen to, whatever you listen to, how many times you hear it, when it happens, it's always impactful. It's always different than reading about it, thinking about it. Um, for me personally, it has also been impactful. It's just I'm not sad because, you know, I've been sad. Like when the Kings traded Gretzky in 96, I was sad. Really, yeah. really sad. I was a kid. I was, I think, you know, 12 years old at the time. But I was truly, truly devastated, heartbroken. After that, I can't think of a single train that has made me truly, truly sad. Um, and with all due respect... Luke? Again, it was after Gretzky. <laughs> you know, it was after Gretzky. And I, I loved Luke That's Robitaille. what I'm saying. Like, after... <clears throat> after yeah. yeah. But I loved Luke Robitaille. But after that trade, after Wayne Gretzky went away... Pretty much, probably one of the main reasons why I love hockey. After that, it's like, all right, well, harsh reality. This is a business, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and certainly, with all due respect, but certainly, you know, Kyle Clifford, Tyler Toffoli, Alec Martinez, and Jack Campbell. I'm not going to sit in the corner and cry that they're gone. It's very sad. Of course, the cups, great memories, and we'll. I would like to share some memories of these players as we kind of go through sure. this episode sure. because they do mean a lot to what was the best time in the history of this franchise to be a fan of it. Be upset, be sad, but it can't be for, for too long, guys, because the future looks bright. It looks very, very bright, much like it did circa 2008, when you could see after we, the Kings drafted Drew Doughty where the team was headed, what could possibly happen. We don't quite have that yet, that one player like right. a Doughty yet, um, to really, truly excite you. Uh, but we have a lot. This organization has a lot, a lot to look forward to. So be sad for a bit, but then it's go time, baby, because the draft's right around the corner. And I mean, that's a, that's a great example you gave of those pre-cup years, those two or three years leading up to uh, the cup run, because even around those times, the Kings were losing some players that I think we were getting attached to. I'm struggling right now to remember when exactly um, Camilleri O'Sullivan, Froloff, like these were guys that I think before Kopitar and Quick and Brown really established themselves as as the core for this team going forward, those those were the guys we thought were going to be the guys. Those those were the guys that I think a lot of us associated as the core, as the future of this team, you know? And it's it it's inevitable. Change sure. is inevitable, and when a team is losing, change is going to come. You can't hold on to all of these guys because that's not the way to manage the team. And you love them, you respect them for what they brought to the team, but with the understanding that they are getting older, your team is getting older, your team is not performing, and you have a stable of young guys who need to be given the opportunity to show us what they have for the next generation of this team for the next iteration of this team. Yeah. And that's where we're at. Um, right around that time that you were talking about the Camilleries, that was a transition from Palfi right. to the next season. The Kings got Demetra Ronick and it was that kind of mishmash weird team that was built for like one year right. to try to make the playoffs. Um, they didn't after <laughs> being very hot out of the gate. But, you know, Palfi's another player where you're like, he was only like 32. Yeah. You know, and he had missed the entire season with injury, I think. Right. That <clears> shoulder <throat> injury that yeah. basically 
derailed his career, at least on the Kings. Yeah, and anyway, so there's they're going to come and go. Uh, just be happy that the guys who are going actually put their you know footprint, imprint, whatever on this organization right. in a very, very... I don't know, memorable way. It can't get more memorable than the Stanley Cup. Um, some of them did it twice. Some of them did it once. But thank you to those three and four. I guess Jack, Jack Campbell, you were sure to stay. And there's more coming, you know? Yeah. Rumors of Derek Forbort, Trevor Lewis on their way out too, most likely. As they should be. As they should be. Hey, man, I mean, you can't. If you're going to do it, you got to go all the way. There is no... And, and And again, we talked about this, I think, last episode. We said that... If you're going to do it, you have to embrace it. You can't be afraid of, uh, well, we need a couple pieces. You know, we need the veteran leadership. Because the fact of the matter is come June, July, it doesn't matter what you need. Trevor Lewis, Derek Forward, Ben Hutton, these guys are not on your roster. They are UFAs. They are gonzo. So unless you're going to try to get something, even if it's a fourth-round pick, or a fifth-round pick that may or may not be the next Dominic Kubelik, who you give up to Chicago, you got to do it. Right. You got to – every pick counts, and it's clear that that happens. And a lot of – I've read a lot of like, <laughs> oh, my God, it's going to be another five to ten years before this team is good again. Why are we – let me tell you, it sucks, but keeping – these older guys, how do we kept them, does it not get no the difference. team closer exactly. to the Stanley Cup. Right. In fact, you know, let's say a rebuild might take, what, three to seven, let's say, until the team is good again. Keeping all these vets, like, doubles that time. Right. <laughs> Pretty much. Right. Right? So. I, I've been thinking about this a lot, actually. The first season, Stevens' first season, I think that set this team back considerably. I know I said that the Willie D season, the whole mishmash crap that happened, that set them back. But I think the success, the brief glimmer of success they had in that first season with Stevens set this entire process back by a couple years. Probably Because I think we were all ready the year that Blake came in. We were all ready for this to kind of start happening even at that time. Maybe not to this extent. It was going to be little trickles, maybe one one season, one another season. But they somehow succeeded in making the playoffs before flaming out in the first round majestically. And because of that, it left everyone in this like weird state of like, well, maybe we're not so bad. Maybe we need to be trying to build. Maybe we need to sign Kovalchuk. And that's – that a little bit of success – I think set this team back in into what it really was. I think it made everyone overlook what they kind of knew was there, but they didn't want to accept it. And in a lot of ways, I'm very proud of them for being able to accept it at this time, even though it sucks to have to jettison half your roster at the same time. And that playoff run probably, from a fan's perspective, endears you even more to these guys they're like oh you know what an effort what a season right you know kopitar had 90 points things were looking great everyone was playing well right jeff carter gets injured he comes back you know it just makes you feel like these these guys have it in the tank to, to it, keep you know? do it. You know, these are our boys they could they could go deep anytime next year add kovalchuk or whoever and, and we could go deep um right but yeah and these guys being gone and we'll get into it now i think 
in the moment right now, I, I was kind of like, yeah, saw I coming and I'm fine. But I think down the road, when I, you know, when I'm a little older, when, you know, I have a little one or someone who hopefully likes hockey uh, and I could talk to them about 2012 and 2014, I think that's when it might hit me like, oh, man, you know, we really had a good with those guys. But for the moment, onward, man. Let's go onward. Let's look at these trades of already. Yeah. The, the first one was with the Toronto Maple Leafs, Kyle Clifford and Jack Campbell. If I remember correctly, it was Trevor Moore coming back along with the Leafs' second-round pick from this upcoming draft and a conditional um, third-rounder, which can become a second-rounder um, if – I think it's either if Clifford resigns – with the Leafs or if they if Jack Campbell gets six wins and they make the playoffs I'm not sure if it's an either or right. or if it's but I believe that it, that was the particular circumstance because Clifford resigning in Toronto I think is it, it's a tough it's a tough thing to say but um, I think the potential of the Campbell getting six wins and the Leafs making the playoffs made it was the more realistic stipulation. Right, right. Am I remembering that correctly? And then, obviously, there was a little salary cap retention on our part. With yeah, Clifford there was 800000 the retention on Clifford. Um, yeah, the deal is Trevor Moore, a 2020 third-round pick. Right. From That was originally Columbus's. Then a 20, That's right. That's 2021 right. conditional third-round pick, which becomes... A, a second second okay if if uh that's right jack campbell okay. wins six games yeah sorry right. so i screwed right. that and up. the 50 yeah. percent uh kyle clifford's salary being retained which is eight hundred thousand. yeah um yeah so it's campbell and, and clifford going to right. so Toronto. It's a trevor moore is the only roster player coming in right so it's a guaranteed two third round picks yes one of toronto's this year yes and one potentially of columbus's Sorry, I got one of Columbus's this year, which Toronto had, and one of Toronto's next year, and the one for Toronto's next year may turn into a second-round pick if Campbell gets six wins and they make the playoffs. Woo, there it is. Is that right? There it is, Good man. Lord. Good there Lord. There it is. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, next trade. Here we go. Yes. Uh, what are your thoughts on that trade, I should say? Like, do you think that's a fair value? Fair. I think there's going to be a theme. I agree. Fair value. And, uh, we'll, I agree. and I, I, what I want to do is go through all three because I think we're going to say similar things about all okay. of them. Fair, fair um, Vancouver acquires Tyler Toffoli in exchange for forward Tim Schaller. Mm-hmm. The rights to forward Tyler Madden. That's, that's good. That's the one we wanted. A 2022nd round draft pick and a 2022 conditional draft pick, the condition on if Toffoli signs. Right. Uh, I think it's a conditional fourth. Or I something. think so. Yes, I think it is. Yes, yeah. and that's a that's an all or nothing. So if he resigns, you get the fourth. If he doesn't resign, you don't get anything. Yeah, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. We're gonna okay. we're gonna go through these. Okay. We're and gonna the most relive, <laughs> relive the pain as it was coming. This one happened. What felt like immediately after the the story broke that the trade was on the table, and that the final pieces were being negotiated on Tuesday and then Martinez gets pulled from the lineup against Winnipeg. So, you know, it's pretty much a done deal and you're pretty much waiting for the return, (laughs) which is the weirdest kind of Kings thing. But, uh, yeah, Alec Martinez to Vegas 
for a 2020 second round pick and a 2021 second round pick no salary retention kind of surprising but right. there you have it now are both i know that one of those picks is vegas is straight up is any of is the other one um like another team's pick that vegas i believe had it was because stuff like that yeah. matters right like it's it's because the where that pick lands depends on where that other team who gave up that pick comes from you know what i mean so that's it's it's relevant as far as the kings go correct correct so looking at it it's st louis's so the 20 so the 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 2021 is st louis's correct the 2020 is vegas's 2020 is vegas's that's right that's right so in the next in the second round the kings will go up to the podium three times Yes. Which is pretty sweet because the right. Kings and second rounders have always been money in the banks. You know, hopefully that continues. But yes, so 2020 Vegas, 2021 St. Louis. Correct. A lot of picks, man. A lot of picks. Currently standing after these trades, the Kings will select 11 times in this upcoming draft. Right. Another nine times next year. 20 picks in two drafts pretty good for a quote-unquote rebuilding team and the best part is that most of those picks are concentrated in the first three rounds right this year alone they have three second round picks their own pick which as of right now is going to be 34th overall which it was this previous year as well and we took uh, arthur kaliev with that pick um plus vancouver's plus vegas's and then we also have in round three our own third round pick and columbus's and round four, we have ours and Calgary's. Yes. So that's amazing. That is amazing. They have eight picks in the first four rounds. That's yes. Stupendous. <laughs> yes. So if you want to break it down, if you really, really, really want to break it down, it's Campbell, Clifford, Toffoli, and Martinez for Trevor Moore. A 2020 third round pick, a 2021 third round pick that is conditional. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is fun. Uh, Tyler Madden, a 2020 second round pick, a 2022 conditional draft pick, and finally two second rounders, one in 2020 and one in 2021. That's a lot. That's and a lot. Tim Schaller. And Tim Schaller. I didn't really want to count him, but no disrespect to the Schaller family, who is obviously <laughs> listening to this. That's a haul, man. That's a haul. And that's a lot of that's, picks, man. And they're not done. Right. So realistically, the Kings, if they stock up on a few more picks, they, they could, could easily they could get a couple like, fourth rounders. They, they could, could easily up, get. Yeah. They could be going up like 15 times. Yeah. Which and it, has to be a team record. Provided they be. keep all those provided picks. Provided they keep it you. and don't move up. Right. 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 Which, again, this is what it affords you the luxury to do. You, when you have this many picks and when you have the sheer number of prospects that the Kings have, they literally have so many prospects. They don't have enough roster spots in their minor league teams to like fit all these guys in. Like right. when you have that abundance of riches, you can move those things around, whether that means bringing in a younger roster player, whether that means moving up in the draft, if there's someone that really catches your eye, whether that means moving up in the draft and converting some of those second rounders into first rounders. I don't know. They can they can get creative. And I think that's an amazing way to approach this. You go scorched earth, <laughs> blank canvas. <laughs> you, you gather up every single tool you possibly have 
and you say, let's do this right. None of this half-assed thing, which, you know, they've been trying for a couple seasons now. Yeah, and they didn't even scorch the earth because they have arguably their four kind of cornerstone <clears throat> right. untouchable guys that whose jerseys will be hung in the rafters. Uh, so, yeah, we talked about Forbert possibly going, Lewis possibly going, Hutton. Jeff Carter, tough to tell. Tough to tell what's going on with him. You know, Elliot Friedman's the only one who has brought that up. The Philly honestly. trade, right? Yeah, like he's the only one who's thrown it out there. And I don't mind if Jeff Carter sticks around. Like my biggest concern with keeping some of these veterans around was that they were taking up potential ice time for guys who should be in those positions and should be developing at this point though if you're going to move all those guys i think there's plenty of places for you to plug things in and still keep jeff carter around dude you need them you need them you need guys like that like carter kopitar brown to to still eat minutes while these kids are getting acclimated to the nhl you can't just throw you know, Velarde up on the first line and be like, go get him, kid. You know, like right. you're going to get 20 minutes a night. I know you're a rookie, but right. to hell with it. We're going to, you know, feed you to the wolves. So there has to be some kind of transitional system in place for these guys. Um, so, yeah, I'm fine with them. I'm fine with, honestly, I'm even fine with quick staying and just being exposed in the draft, right. in, the, in the expansion draft at this point. Which Fun. all signs kind of point right. to that right now. That's all good. All good with that. They're all. I mean, who's going to be protected really, other than Kopitar and Dowdy? Well, again, it depends on. I'm talking about from the, from the veterans. Yeah, yeah, but remember again the rules on like pro seasons and all right. that stuff. Oh, yes, like, yes, yes. Of course, it gets a little muddy. Like I follow Kempe. I mean, they reasonably could want to protect these guys. Um, sure, but you but you did mention a name, and I think it's worth talking about a little bit with Gabe Velarde and indeed and getting the greatest of news is <laughs> today <laughs> to kind of, and again we've been we've been slow playing this <laughs> we haven't wanted to be overly excited we've been taking it one tiny tiny step at a time but we might be there folks we might be Inching to the point where we see Gabe Velarde and an L.A. King sweater in days' time. Yep. Crazy, and man. I, Crazy. And I am a quiver with excitement. It's funny. Ever since we started this podcast, there's been <clears throat> there's been one consistent theme, I think, <laughs> since the beginning, is our excitement for this player. Always wishing him well. Always wanting, waiting for this day where he is officially a national hockey league rookie and it is upon us it it feels like it's been a long time and i know it hasn't in real human days (laughs) but hockey fan days uh it feels like it's been a long time hopefully the announcement comes soon hopefully he doesn't injure himself (laughs) like on the bus oh my god to to staples center or something crazy like that Uh. doesn't sleep wrong or something you know and it will be yeah it'll be absolutely absolutely a great day uh for us personally and it's hard because you know there was a time where he was the only prospect that we could get excited for he was like the only guy that really 
you know got us looking forward to the future and we even talked about hey man what if he drops into the lineup like this season and makes an right. impact and we're a playoff team again remember that remember that crazy <laughs> <laughs> that was that steven season man that was that season that completely you know realigned because we were going into that season fully expecting to be terrible we fully expected that this was going to be it. We're going to start chipping away. Right. But we didn't. Retool. But we knew for sure Velarde's not going to drop in that season. No. We were more but, excited for this season that there were all signs where he was going to be like on the team right out of camp. Yeah. But of course, you know, that didn't happen. But right. now, now, we hopefully he gets a few games. Not too long. It's not good up here. You know, just get a little cup of coffee, get your feet wet, yeah. and uh, hurry up and go back down. All right, we don't yeah. want like we're happy that this is looks like this is going to be a reality, but let's not get crazy. Play a few games, send them back down, please. Yeah, because ultimately, really, this season is for the rain, and I feel like we're going to say this a ton, but we talked about this that this season was more so for how the rain were going to do how these guys were going to come together as a team and they started hot out the gate they kind of had a mid-season lull looks like they're turning it around now yeah they're on fire and they're making a run for the playoffs here so you don't want to you don't want to take too much away from that you want to give these guys a try out here try out there a couple guys at a time but you don't want to strip that team completely bare for the sake of whatever filling in your roster for these meaningless 20 games that are left you know what i mean like let them still coalesce and make a run potentially however long it may be in the ahl because that's going to be more important um for development and for the organization from top to bottom i think yeah so great excited happy let's 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 (laughs) you sound it let's get this going it's just it's been a it's been it's been a lot for Kings fans, man. This yeah. has been a this has been rough. I mean, both on the ice, it's been rough. Off the ice, it seems like it's been rough. You know, the pain it's gonna and the crazy thing is it might even get worse before it gets better. And one thing I wanna say, <laughs> okay, for anyone who is looking at these guys who are either already gone or going to leave and you know they're heartbroken and they're sad realize one thing guys these guys are excited to leave it's i should say they're bitter it's bittersweet you know it's right. not just heartbreak and leave sad. The team. right they're excited to go somewhere where they're gonna have a chance to play playoff hockey where this you know blood-sucking feeling of the last is, is the life force isn't being sucked out of them anymore yeah you know like kyle clifford i know he's not doing backflips because he's leaving the Kings. But you could tell immediately he was like, holy crap, I'm going to Toronto. Like, this is great. Right. I grew up here. My former yeah. agent is the GM. Like, right. it's come on. Th- I'm sure it's, you know, it sucked in the beginning. But you have to realize they are, they're all thrilled to be moving yeah. on. You got to be, it's true. And you, at least take that <laughs> if as some kind of comfort. Uh, what was that? I think someone, I can't remember what i was listening to but they were like you know oh when we when tyler Toffoli packed his bags and left he didn't look sad or and like that was what they were trying to say that king's fans should take comfort in 
that he wasn't. I was like, yeah, <laughs> like he's going, he's going into a good situation. Like, yeah, yeah, the Canucks are in a bit of trouble with their injuries, but he has a chance to make the playoffs, and we all wish those guys well. But always remember, the sadness is temporary, and they're moving on to play important games because the Kings aren't going to play an important game for a long time, unfortunately. Right, and you can always take pleasure in individual players performances i know no one wants to you know there's a lot being made about man i can't believe blake traded both of these guys to teams within our division like how could he like we're gonna it's like because he got what two does seconds it matter? for yeah, a 34 exactly. year old defenseman what does it matter what does it matter if, if vegas was the team who was willing to offer him two second round picks for alec martinez happy trails alec i hope you do well Right. It's not going to matter to me over the next two or three seasons, honestly, how you do against the Kings, if I'm being realistic, because they're operating on a different level right now than the Kings are. So if you want to show up in the regular season and have your revenge game or whatever it is, great. It's not going to matter this season or next season at all to the LA Kings. And I will be excited for you to see your jazz hands Yep. Whenever you decide to break them out. And it's the same thing with Clifford and Campbell. Like, you know, it's okay. It's okay. This is inevitable. Think back to how you felt initially when Michael Camilleri or Alex Froloff were playing on a different team and how quickly you forgot about them once, you know, your Kopitars and your Dowdies kind of showed up. Right. We have those guys in the pipeline. They're coming. It sucks now, but it's coming and it's going to be fine. Right. Okay. Okay. Let, let's talk about these guys for a second. Some favorite memories of these now ex-LA Kings, Vardy. We'll start with Kyle Clifford. I know you have a lot of solid <laughs> Kyle Clifford memories. Um, uh, yeah? Do I mean, I? <laughs> good. Like, all all the things that make him great are are hard to see as a fan. You just hear about the legend of Kyle Clifford. You know what I mean? And what a good teammate he is and what a solid duty is. I don't know Kyle Clifford, but everything we've heard is that he's a great guy. My favorite, I guess, memory of him is his, going to be his performance in the 2011 playoffs when Kopitar was injured against San Jose. Mm -hmm. And he, Simmons, and Brad Richardson friggin' lit it up together. And we were like, who, what, and how? Are these three yeah. doing what they're doing? Like, that's going to be my, like, lasting memory of, of him. Um, he was obviously a heart and soul type of player. He showed it. He never took a shift off. I believe all these things. Um, I hated seeing him fight because I always felt like he was one punch away from a serious injury. And I'm glad, right. you know, I'm glad he's somewhat changed his game yeah a few seasons ago he yeah. got the visor on like that sure, was and that's good for him because that means he could play longer and i think toronto's lucky to have him that team needs him desperately they need guys like that because they are charm and soft they have no right. grit to their game whatsoever when push comes to shove they fold like a cheap tent and more kyle cliffords are going to make that team better yeah and i think that's that's exactly right like he's a great glue guy he's a great example and it's awesome that he was like that from day one that even as a rookie he was setting forth that type of work ethic he didn't need anyone else to lead him he was able to kind of 
be self-motivated and be that guy. And I think that's what made him so valuable to this team. And that's what allowed him to step up in big situations. Obviously, you know, a big part of the, of the cup winning goal in 2014, all three of these guys were ironically, but it's exactly a team like Toronto. It's exactly a team like Toronto. That's all flash, all skill, all ability, but come playoff time, stuff like that just only gets you so far and that's when you need your sandpaper guys like the Cliffords to get you over the hump and I think it's a great trade for them I think it's a great spot for him to be in my memories of him are, are a little more dispersed right it's it's who he was as a player he was kind of this like Ian LaPerriere you know fill in when when Lappy got traded and everyone was equally upset when Lappy <laughs> Lappy got dealt to like yeah. it's the same stuff it's the same stuff every time and it, it's just going to keep going on ad nauseum um so I don't I don't know if I aside from like the cup winning goal I don't know if I have, have like a a pinpoint memory of Kyle Clifford beyond the fact that like like you said it was always I think in my head the memory I have is when Dean Lombardi wanted to construct the Kings, if he could, it would be like 21 Kyle Cliffords. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's right. That's what he wanted. The hype on his draft year, I remember that, was was very strong. He very made strong. Simmons expendable. Yeah. He, I, I will forever – I will go to my grave. Wayne Simmons was tradable because Kyle Clifford came around and within his first season, people were like, this is the guy. He can yeah. be Simmons. He can be better than Simmons. Right. Obviously, that didn't end up happening, but – he played his role and he played it well, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, Tyler Toffoli is next on our wax poetic list. Um, for me, it's my my favorite memory of him, and I tweeted this out, is in that Stanley Cup DVD, after he wins the cup, he, he like he's on the phone with his dad, and he is just so genuinely childlike excited. Right to talk to his dad after winning the Stanley cup, like for whatever reason that always like has been buried in my head. And every time I think of him, I kind of think of that. Um, I think of, you know, with this outdoor game, man, it it was so ironic, bittersweet that he caps off his King's career with a hat trick like that. The first hat trick in the history of any NHL outdoor game. And I'll always remember his goal against San Jose in Game 7 of the 2014 series, the reverse sweep, the mm-hmm. Kings were up 2-1. to one. You were feeling good going into the third. And, and he just – when he scored it to make it, to make it 3-1, you knew this, this game was over. The series was over. And you were about to watch something truly historic. Like those are the three things I think that I'll take away. It's funny that the outdoor game is one of them. But it was just such a special environment. And for him – to do that it's almost like one last reminder mm-hmm. of both what he was and what he could have been unfortunately and i think that's always going to be the case for for us is this like the tale of two to kind of where you like you you always felt like you were scratching the surface like he had these moments where he could put the puck in from anywhere just a lethal release you know, a great snapshot could place the puck beautifully. And you knew that even from his rookie season. And there was no reason why he couldn't have been a 40 goal scorer. 
it just wasn't happening. The shot, like he was so snake bit at times. It was like unbelievable right. how snake bit he was. And then he would turn around and do something like the outdoor game where he score a hat trick, and you're just like, like, where was that? So easy. Yeah, where so was that? So easy. Um, um, obviously, again, I'm not I'm not going to list this for each individual guy, but being part of the the cup winning goal in 2014, the Boston goal, the point nine second yeah. goal, man, the buzzer beater. That is that is such a that is a career highlight. I realize it's like an early regular season game. It means nothing in the grand scheme of things but that team came out like molten lava hot to start that year yeah and and that was just the type of game they were playing at that time they just could not lose they were pulling victories away from the jaws of defeat and just scoring swaggy goals like that (laughs) just just dripping swag or it's like there's 0.9 seconds in zone face off yeah we got this there's a chance right, right. and it it was just the celebration just the yeah. sheer jubilation for a goal like that that just doesn't happen like you draw that play up a thousand times and for it the the number of things that have to go right for a goal like that to happen innumerable and so that is such a memorable thing to me um yeah yeah, I think one thing that I always think of with him is, and Jesse Cohen mentioned this, and I agree with him, is that he never got long stretches of time with Kopitar. Mm-hmm. I think I think in 2016 he might have when it was Lucic on the left and Toffoli on the right. They had a little run there together, but and and his numbers with Kopitar are always solid. Right. So I am curious if he had he you know not had such amazing chemistry with Jeff Carter and Tanner Pearson, which yeah. that's no, by the way, Jeff Carter was a number one center for a long time playing as right. a second line center. So that's not a big excuse on why he didn't get to that 35, 40 mark more often. Uh, but I would have loved to see him just go a little longer on the best, you know, the team's leading guy in assists every year is called yeah. And I would have liked to see how that went, but Hey, he didn't – not too bad to be with yeah. Jeff Carter most of your career. Yeah. So it is interesting. It's interesting now because he's on, he's on Vancouver and Pearson's there too. So uh, I'm sure there's a lot of nostalgia there. Um, I always wonder for these guys who have spent their entire career thus far with one organization and been very successful with that organization professionally and now suddenly it's like – Okay, now I'm a now I'm a UFA, and right. <laughs> where do I go from here? You know, right. it's very interesting. It's right. very very interesting. Yeah, and it's the same deal for Alec Martinez, although he has more term on his deal than Tafoli Martinez goes to Vegas. Um, real easy, <laughs> real real easy <laughs> on the Martinez memories. Um, number one, I think, on almost everyone's list is, list is going to be that double overtime Stanley Cup winning goal. Uh, against the Rangers at Staples Center to clinch the cup. Uh, but for me, I think equal and sometimes more than is the Chicago Game 7 winner because, in my opinion and in the opinion of many people that year, that was the true Stanley Cup final. That was voted the best series of the decade, of the decade. wasn't it? Yes, yeah. and that is correct. Many viewed that as the true Stanley Cup final. And for it to come down to basically one shot, against two of the teams that some would argue defined a decade along with Pittsburgh for it to come down to one shot and for him to get it. That was the loudest I've ever screamed, yelled, whatever vocalized 
a king's goal. I'm when I watch, I am pretty calm, pretty collected. I'll do a fist pump here and there, but I I don't think I've ever reacted to a goal. Not even his Stanley Cup clincher did I react to the way I reacted to him scoring to eliminate Chicago to send the Kings to the final because in my heart I knew the Kings had just won the cup. Yeah. Uh, by doing that, no disrespect to the Rangers, but we all knew you get past Chicago, you can't go and lose to one of those, you know, I don't remember who they were playing, New Jersey, New Jersey or New York. You just can't go in and then then lose to one of those teams. So, yeah, I, and it's and so also, funny, man. Sorry, yeah, please go. No, no, go uh, ahead. It, it produced what I think is the best call of Nick Nixon's career. <laughs> if you ever listen to that call, I posted it on Twitter. Uh, Sensational. Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. Remarkable. It's just such a great, such a great call. I think... Again, just a lot of the trend with all three of these guys and probably why they've been around with the team so long is that not just because they they filled their roles well, but they were just good teammates. Like all these guys just seem like the best guys, just right. the nicest guys, you yeah. know, and it's a, it's a very unique thing to build. Um, but just timely goals, man, just timely, timely plays. Alec Martinez is your quintessential second pairing defenseman. Not terribly flashy, not, you know, terribly offensive or defensive, you know, but just fills his role properly and just had a knack for the stage, dude. Like, two yeah. – didn't he also – am I mistaken in this? Did he have another Game 7 or am I just – he two series clinching goals yeah, in had, one year. Yeah, those two. Like, that is – <laughs> There's some guys who yeah. just have a knack for it, man. I don't know how to explain it. And so – and some people are, you know, from a, from a Vegas standpoint, they're complaining that they're paying too much to get this guy two second rounders for an older. It's like, Their come on, man. Their defense sucks, dude. <laughs> Their defense get, is not good. You're getting a, a veteran defenseman who can still play and has more playoff experience than I think anyone on your team. So, Yeah. Their defense, no, their defense, okay. Nate Schmidt, who, look, great defenseman, okay. No, if he's your number one defenseman, you're in trouble. Good good player, not a number one defenseman. Shea Theodore, yeah. Braden McNabb, Nick Holden, John Merrill, Zach Whitecloud. Dude, <laughs> like, come on. Yeah, you, there's there's room. You and put in Alec Martinez there, Alec you're Martinez. like, okay, that's now, you know, that's better. That's better. Right. So... Yeah, you're gonna have to pay to get that guy on your team. Yeah. He has two Stanley Cups. Yeah, you know, and he has a year left on term, correct. at a very reasonable number. Correct. And the run of what defensemen are costing right now is ridiculous. The funniest one I saw was that Marco Scandella went to Montreal earlier in the season from Buffalo for a fourth rounder, and less than ten games later or fifteen games later, Montreal flipped him for a second in a fourth <laughs> rounder. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> it's just Buffalo Twitter was was hilarious. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, D had a premium, man. That's why Derek Forbert. Hey, man. <laughs> your number's up, my friend. I'm sorry, yeah. but I think in the next yeah. few days, uh, your number will be called. So yeah, I mean, we could Jack Jack Campbell not as much, obviously. He but just a nice guy. Like that's the vibe I got from him. a nice guy, humble. Happy to be there. Happy to have an opportunity. And he's worked his ass off, man. Uh, and right now, like, 
by the way, right now, if you if you follow the Leafs at all or listen, they are a friggin' tire fire of a squad. <laughs> they just lost to Pittsburgh five. I think it was five two, but they were down five nothing in a game where Malkin was like a late scratch, and they didn't compete at all. So everything's being burnt to the floor in Toronto right now. And they're talking about how Jack Campbell should be starting every game from now on. There's a conversation wrong, that's happening. They're not wrong. Jack plays, they win. Anderson plays, they they lose. I mean, it's simple arithmetic. Yeah. Right now. And um yeah, I think similarly my memory of Jack Campbell is it's just gonna be how hard he's worked to kind of reestablish himself as a Absolutely. as a viable NHL goaltender. And I think it's again, it's another tribute to a position that the Kings traditionally prior to Jonathan quick had always struggled to find consistent goaltending. And it seems like they've turned that around and somehow become like a rehab facility for goaltenders between Peter Budai and then Darcy Kemper and then Jack Campbell. Like they have ben just picked Scrivens, up these, you could go ben back Scrivens, like so many. they have just picked up these goaltenders that no one else really wanted or cared to take and suddenly made them into valuable commodities. It is, it is amazing. And you know, Jack Campbell now is another one in the long line of, of those developed goaltenders. So yeah. Yeah. So man, happy trails. To those guys, it's a lot of it's, goodbyes. It's a lot of trails, <laughs> a lot of footsteps. Yeah, uh, we'll we will miss them, but again, excited about what's to come. And yeah, I, and one of the things I'm most excited about, Vardy, is is I want to see how this team plays. They're gonna have to get an identity. They're, I mean, it's still so early. It's funny we're still closing out the fire sale, so it's way early to even talk about what the team's identity is gonna be in the future. But I am very curious to see. What kind of playing style they adopt? Because, look, I'm grateful for two Stanley Cups, and I know exactly why the team won two Stanley Cups. Their bread and butter was defense and goaltending. I completely understand that. I respect that. I will always appreciate that. But I wouldn't mind, Vardy, moving forward, if the Kings just turn it up a notch on their creativity, turn it up a notch in their offensive game, and become one of these teams that just scare the hell out of you offensively. Yeah, I think I would prefer that this time around. I know. Look, some people are going to say, "Hey, man, defense wins cups." I get it. I get it. Sure, uh, but the Pittsburgh Penguins won two Stanley Cups with a defense that you cannot name. <laughs> okay, you're right. So, I can't. I so, can't. hey, I'm just saying it's possible. It's all possible. Ben Lovejoy. That's a good one, Trevor Daly. Thank you. Hey. Thank you. I was uh, hold on. Goligoski was actually injured one of those teams. I know. Was Goligoski on one of those? I think he was teams? gone by then. Was he no, gone by he then? Was, yeah, he was gone by then. I think. Ben Lovejoy. Yeah, say it again. Say it proud. <laughs> Hainsey. <laughs> Hainsey was on that squad. Oh, he got God. that Stanley Cup. Wow. Yeah, Ron Hainsey. Tremendous. Jack anyway. Johnson. Anyway. No, he was not there. <laughs> I know. He I'm is kidding. now. <laughs> um, and they're winning, by the way. They are, I know. They are on fire. That team, you never. Man, Dude, you can never count that team out. You know you why. just can't. You know why. Because their two best players are their two hardest working guys. Right. And that's what and the Toronto Maple Leafs need to learn right quick. And Alex Ovechkin told them so four months so ago. So did Drew Doughty, but apparently they got really butthurt over that. No one listens. Yep. No one listens. There you go. Yeah. 
Alex Ovechkin scratching 700 goals, man. Yeah, he's, he's been scratching going, for a while now. For I know, someone he's five, five game goal yeah, streak. It's the longest one of the he's season. Two away. It's impressive. It's always, and you know, you know, it's going to be a two goal game. You just oh, know it. It's going to be a hat trick or a hat trick or a five 100%. goal game. Whatever, whatever he does usually. Yeah. Uh, so I wouldn't be. Surprised it's all just if, getting stored up in him. This yeah. isn't going to be like some random tip in either. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna put the puck on a stick and he's going to throw it like a javelin through the goaltender's chest into the goal. That's how it's going to be. Goal 700 calling it. Sounds great to me. It's I'm, very entertaining. I'd be down for that. <laughs> um, he is currently eighth all time. That's insane on its own. He will become only, you guessed it, the eighth player to score 700 goals in NHL history. Can you imagine? Like, think about that. In the history of this sport, only seven other players have 700 goals. Mark Messier has 694. Mark Messier played for 55 years. Okay. Steve Iserman, 692. Luke Robitaille, 668. Solani, 684. Mario Lemieux, 690, although his career was very short. Just He's in, a living legend, man. He's a living legend. He truly is, and... 750, I think, is a lock for this guy. Yeah. And that would place him fourth all time in goals. And everything <laughs> after that is just like bonus. I fully expect him to finish at least third all time in goals, which is 766 by Yarmir Yager. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't be shocked if he gets to 800 because he's not slowing down. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't look like much when you see him in these like off season photos and stuff, but. He's playing fine, man. He's he's still got the legs. He's still got the the stamina. More power to him. I hope he's like Yager. I sincerely do. I hope he he plays until he's like forty eight years old, chipping in four goals a season if he needs to. <laughs> Just get there. Yeah. And I got to make time to see him live, man. I have to find a way and like. I you think. should. We've talked about this in, in recently with what happened with Kobe Bryant and us right. feeling like, you know, I. While we have the chance to see great athletes live, it's truly something that we should prioritize and do. Uh, in hockey, I think I've seen, luckily, most of everyone that I've admired and idolized. Um, but basketball, I have not, you know, I haven't been able to. But anyway, yeah. the point is, you know, if you can, if you haven't watched an Alex Ovechkin, a Sidney Crosby play live, do it while you still can, man, because they're... Hey. And these are great years to do it because no one's clamoring to go to Kings games. Right. So get those. If you're even if you're going to watch some specific player from the opposite team, you still get to see Kopitar play. If you've never seen him play live for whatever reason, like it's it's a worth a watch. Drew yeah. Doughty, like these are these guys are legitimate legends for this team. If you have not had a chance to see them live, despite how the team is doing right now, pick a team that you want to see someone else play live on and just go to a game they don't they don't cost much and they're really easy to get right now yeah you never know man you never know when you're not going to have that opportunity again so just do it and there look he's getting up there in age retirement you know it it doesn't look like he's slowing down but he might at some point call it a career um so yeah do it again i'm very very glad to have seen him play already do it, guys. Yeah. Do it. There, I don't think I don't see any scenario where you're like I really regret going to see Alex Ovechkin play that yeah. one time. 
Yeah, no one's going <laughs> to – that's never going to happen. And he's one of the few players that are worth the price of admission. We've said right. this before. In hockey, it's really tough to find players that are worth – individually worth the money to go watch them do what they do. He's one of them, definitely. Yeah. I think the important – and people will bring up the thing of like, well, I can watch him on TV or whatever. There's something different about being in the arena, man. There's something different about watching – you know, just kind of like shadowing a particular exactly. player. You could lock, and just, lock him in for sure. Yeah. And you just see the nuances to their game that just doesn't translate to TV. It's very important. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Well, that's a lot. We, man, that's a lot we just went through. It is. It, I didn't it, think we'd be able to do it, but we did it. <laughs> um, a few other, I guess, notes. Uh, you being a Dr. Vardy. I wanted to ask you about the Jay Bomeister incident specifically. It was terrifying, you know, as a human being, as a hockey yes. fan, as someone who loves hockey. I mean, this is this has happened multiple times. Uh, Yuri Fisher, um, oh gosh, why am I? Rich Peverly, yeah, Peverly. you know. Um, unfortunately, Alex Cherpanov, uh, you know, this happened to him in Russia, and he passed away from it. Um, it's. And it happens in a lot of other sports. Um, unfortunately, you know, you hope you can catch some warning signs of this through team physicals and uh, echocardiograms and things like that. But shockingly, shockingly, the actual and and I I know this only because I looked this up recently across the major sports leagues. How many of them do you think actually mandate? like a thorough physical involving, not just like, Oh, you, you know, we'll do an EKG and see how, how you do in the combine. But I'm talking like an echocardiogram, like a thorough cardiac physical or stress test on their players. Not even, I'm not even talking like every year. I'm talking even once. I'll tell you the way you're asking me, I don't like the sound of it. No, Doesn't there's, sound there's like only, there's only, I think there's only two leagues that mandate it: the NFL and the NBA. Because and the NBA has had, you know, their long line of players. Hank right. Gathers obviously being the most uh, prominent. Although I don't know if he ever played in the NBA, it might have just been NCAA. But um, the reason being that um, statistically and epidemiologically, African American athletes, black athletes, um, have a higher percentage of these uh, types of cardiomyopathies that can lead to sudden death. And so, you know, typecasting, if you will, but. Black athletes tend to play more so in the NBA and the NFL, and so they have, through negotiations over time, um, led to a pay, a players having echocardiograms and stress echoes done. I don't know how frequently they do them, and even those tests aren't guaranteed to find these problems. Some of these athletes are too young, even initially, to manifest signs of it, and then it only comes around later, which is probably what happened with Jay Boomeister. Um, but the NHL is not one of those leagues. The NHL, they do an EKG, just a standard EKG on their athletes, and they'll do like a sports physical, which it's open to interpretation. Um, but beyond that, like a standard echocardiogram of their players once a year to see how their heart looks or even a stress test really doesn't happen unless the player reports some sort of symptoms. And unfortunately... A lot of times the first symptoms that they ever report are exactly what happened to Jay Boomeister. They collapse in cardiac arrest and 
thankfully there's enough paramedics and defibrillators around the rinks, most of the rinks these days to, to get someone out of that rather quickly. But yeah, he, for all intents and purposes, died for at least a few seconds and he was resuscitated and revived. And now he has a defibrillator. He has an implanted defibrillator and by all accounts, his career should be done because anytime he continues and plays, he's at risk for this happening again, potentially. Yeah. And I don't know the specific type of cardiomyopathy or, or whatever they identified in his workup, but the fact that they put a defibrillator in speaks volumes and implies that he's always at risk for having another event. So it is interesting. And I was gonna, actually going to ask you, because you coach – and you yeah. obviously coach a bunch of kids. Is CPR training part of your coaching? No. Is that required? It is not. It is not. Okay. Um, you know, USA Hockey does a lot of great things to prepare their coaches, but that's one avenue where it is not mandatory. And uh, I suspect, unfortunately, that it's going to take something very bad for that to become a necessity. And that's not a knock on USA Hockey. It's, you know... It's just not it's just not the case. It's not mandatory. Yeah. It's not something that all coaches must learn. Although we are trained on how to react to situations as in how to get help mm-hmm. the fastest way and all these things. And if there's a neck injury, just minor things like that. If there's yeah. a possible neck injury, not to move the neck, to stabilize the person. Things like that we are trained on. Um, but no, there is no CPR or, or life-saving immediate life-saving skills taught to us coaches so i wouldn't be again wouldn't be surprised if it down the road that changes uh and unfortunately i i hate thinking it but usually it takes something bad for things to become mandatory that's just the way the world works i mean thankfully it's it's relatively easy and the defibrillators that they have in most rinks now are close to the benches and they're very easy to operate like the instructions the machine itself tells you exactly what to do with diagrams and with voice commands and that's probably the most important part but then the cpr component you don't you don't have to do the mouth to mouth or anything i'm sorry if i'm kind of getting up on a soapbox here and getting like you know medical ceremony or whatever but like it's worth if if any part of you has has an inclination to like hey maybe this is something i should know it's worth a google to at least know where to put your hands and and how to do the the chest compressions you don't need to do mouth to mouth you don't ever have to stop doing the chest compressions the defibrillator will tell you when to do everything so they they really try to make this as easy as possible and time matters you know every every second delay matters in that type of a situation unfortunately so I'm glad he's doing really well. It's unfortunate. It's probably going to happen again at some point. I feel like every couple of years we have another one of these incidences um, because it's, it's it's a bit unpredictable. And maybe it's not economically or whatever feasible to do this on every single player that comes through. But at some point, I think I think we were headed in that direction. I'll be honest with you. I don't understand how you can have two leagues have – a little more of a workup requirement than and the other ones don't. I think it's it's quite frankly it's asinine at this point. Yeah. Okay, I'm done. Indeed. I'm done with my I'm done with my soapbox. Oh, I apologize. Oh thank God, I thought you would never finish. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> well, I'm the one who asked you, so I guess I had it coming. <laughs> yeah. Once you get me talking, buddy, you're yeah. never going to get me to shut up. Uh, Marty, it's episode 53. It and, is. And, I, and honestly, I don't even know if I want to play the game today because I think it's a lock and loaded to be the Alec Martinez episode, is it not? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's not because that's the only one I could remember. <laughs> It's because I truly believe, and for anyone who maybe doesn't remember or whatever, that was his initial NHL number before he became a full-time NHLer with the Kings. His first call-up, he was number 53, his quote-unquote rookie number. I remember that immediately. Um, I may remember other players if I really tried, but I don't know. Should we? Should we even try? Yeah. I mean, I could probably tell you all of these. They're all pretty recent. But that's fine. We'll just we've we've suffered enough for one episode. <laughs> that's right. I won't put you through the suffering. So uh, number fifty three worn by four players. Alec mm-hmm. Martinez being one of them, and this is most definitely the Jazz Hands episode. Yeah. Um, is other there players who possibly a Peter Holland in there. There is a Holland. Okay, Jason Holland then. It is a Jason Holland. Correct. Okay. He was the first one to wear fifty three. I think we had Peter Holland on a prior episode, yeah, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah, he was also fifty something, I think. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um so uh so yes, Jason Holland uh wore from two thousand two, two thousand four. Jeff Giuliano. Uh Jeff Giuliano. Before he was number twenty nine. I know all the 29s. <laughs> Just to clarify. 2006. Yeah. Jeff yeah. Giuliano. And by the way, it's not a it's a Peter Harold and a Jason Holland. We gotcha. did this exact same yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, we did. We're terrible. We did. Jason Jason Holland, number 53. Um and then last but certainly not least, Kevin Gravel. Ah. Locked 53. Um why do I not remember him wearing that number but i guess that's the only one he wore yeah 53 kevin gravel yeah rocked it for three years three years wow so that's it man those are the 53s that's uh it's a memorable bunch to say the least but this is the uh alec martinez rookie jersey episode how fitting this is his rookie levels. card episode that's right um thank you guys <laughs> thank you for joining us sorry it took us so long but come on <laughs> but i mean there's only so many times we could just shrug our shoulders and sigh about the kings now we finally now we got some stuff to talk about something to be excited about unfortunately it's it's bittersweet for us as well and it might get worse before it gets better because there are still some guys waiting in the wings uh to see if they're shipped out so you know Hug your Stanley Cup memories or whatever Blu-ray. Yeah. Hug your Stanley Cup DVDs. Put on that Trevor Lewis jersey on before you sleep tonight. That's right. Because uh, look at look at the lovely photos of him and his children and his that's his right. perfect little cherubic family. That's right. And if you love Ben Hutton for whatever reason, <laughs> yeah, if he's really if made an impression on you. <laughs> and the same goes for Derek Forbert. Hang on tight because. The times they are changing, my friends. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast. 